Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 27 of Pigskins and Nylon. I'm Wally Lukashensky, and today is Monday, October 4th. We got a special episode for you guys today. I'm here in Columbus, Ohio, visiting my friend and co-host Casey Mock. How are you doing, man? Thanks for having me, and gotta say, love the house. Doing great, dude. Glad that you were able to come over this weekend. I think uh, I had fun yesterday, dude. I mean, just we were talking. It was just a nice, relaxing Saturday of football, uh, much needed. It was awesome to come down too. I got to see you guys play on Thursday night. I, oh, when gosh. people say referees suck, <laughs> I mean I can't tell you how painful it was to sit there as a fan, and that must have been brutal as a coach in the game because yeah. for you guys at home, there must have been close to twenty plus penalties in the first half, and the refs circled and talked about every single one. Yeah, absolutely, it was brutal. I think the first half took two hours. I went up and talked to you, and you were like, oh, dude, I'm going to have to, like, peace out. I looked at my phone. It was, like, 9.18 right before the start <laughs> of the second half. I'm like, my goodness, man. Usually we get into well into the fourth quarter at that point. But then, I mean, shoot, we get, I got home at, like, 1 a.m. that night. And, and the game wasn't even finished for yeah, you yet. Yeah, and then it got delayed and pushed back to – Started yesterday or Saturday at 1 p.m. right in the freaking start of all in college football. It was brutal. We ended up losing. It was a big game for us. We ended up losing by 14 points, but whatever. You know, we'll have a nice bounce back game this week and hopefully next week too before our big rivalry game against East to wrap up the year. Hopefully, we'll be able to get a chance to see that. I know Hayden and I were talking about the idea of potentially if we ever have the chance, if you make the playoffs. Maybe the three of us can get down here and I'll watch a game, record an episode together in person. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'm sure you guys noticed Hayden's not here today. He's up in Northwest Ohio right now. He wasn't available to do this, so we're recording without him. It's going to be a little theme here this part of the year because, I mean, you might see the next two episodes. I might not be here because I have a couple weddings I'm going to be up dealing with. But we'll have at least two of us and we'll get into our Big Ten thoughts here, especially today. Coming off a pretty fun week five slate. was week five, right? I'm not losing my mind. This is where we're at in the year. Uh, yeah, technically week five, but the sixth week. Exactly, that, with that week zero. zero. Yeah. <laughs> that, the moment they introduced week zero was the moment I think I knew my brain was done forever. Right. <laughs> we'll jump right into it. This is going to be a pretty condensed show just because it is the two of us here. And we are a person. We want to watch some NFL football together. Yeah. But our first game on Friday night... The number five Iowa Hawkeyes, yeah, that's Casey clapping right there. Bolt raced Maryland. Yeah. Bolt raced Maryland. And dude, it was a shame too. After a quarter, this was 7-3. I know I was getting ready to go in and score, but it felt like we had a really fun Friday night Big Ten game on our hands. Yeah, I absolutely thought this was gonna be a, a great game. I think I took Maryland plus the three and a half. Or did I? Yeah, I, I you I, had to have. Yeah, I did. I thought Iowa would win by a field goal, but man, that defense is something else. Forcing, what, seven turnovers to his little bro. Man, he wasn't it. I I do think he's good, though. I do think that he's still going to cause some trouble in the Big Ten East, but did not have his best game, and I think that Demas injury really derailed Maryland. Yeah, I mean, it was just within the course of two real minutes, 
You have the first quarter in, Maryland's winning 7-3. to three. The place is buzzing like I don't think I've ever seen College Park buzz for a football game. Yeah. Then you have Iowa score that touchdown, goes up three. The ensuing kickoff, Dante Demas, a very gruesome leg injury, and fumbles on the play. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, five minutes later, Maryland looks back up at the scoreboard. You're down 10. You lost arguably your best wide receiver. I know Rakeem Jarrett's incredible too, but Demas has been more productive this year. Yeah. And as soon as he was gone, this game, you might as well have just put everybody back on the bus. Right. So, I mean, just... Yeah, I still uh, haven't even seen that injury. You said it was pretty gruesome. Don't look for it. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm one of those people, I can't, I don't have a good stomach for watching injuries. Yeah. And, And then on top of it, too, it's, I can't even remember who called that game on Friday, but they were even saying, you know, it sucks because by rule, that's a fumble. But, like, you wish you could just be like, hey, there's nothing you can do about this. Yeah, leg sucks. bending in multiple directions, but I mean, it says a lot about the kid's character. I don't know if you had a chance to see him when he was getting Carter away. He was shouting to his teammates, "I'm coming back! I'm coming back!" Really, and it was really cool, and I really wanted him to like just magically have his leg not be that bad. Yeah, just come back like that. Um, Tommy Armstrong, yes, against Ohio State that one year, he came back to the field after everybody thought he was. Dead. Exactly. Like, You're like, oh, yeah. he's out here again. That's yeah. cool. But you were right. The seven turnovers too much for Maryland, and Talia definitely almost looked like he was pressing a bit. And when Dante Demas is out, and you're down ten points, naturally you're going to. So if you are Maryland, this is a game I feel like you just try to have a quick memory with. You go to Ohio State next week, which I know you and Hayden will get a chance to talk about. I'm hoping that it's in good. What good form on yeah. Sunday morning? I mean, it it probably will be now, especially with Demas being. I mean, Ohio State looked good yesterday. We'll get into them in a little bit, but yeah, I know you were saying that Maryland was either going to get Iowa or Ohio State, but it's not really looking like that anymore. It's funny because on the show this last week, you had made a proclamation that Nebraska and Michigan might be closer than you thought, mm-hmm. and I made the proclamation that I thought Maryland and Ohio State would be. And then after the Saturdays we saw, and then I guess Friday in this instance, I mean, I kind of think we almost have to walk those back a little bit. I don't know, man. Those teams look. But Nebraska also put a whooping on Northwestern. The FCS Northwestern. I I know we're not too high on Northwestern at at all right now, but, I mean, to beat a Big Ten team by 49 points is is impressive in my book. So I think it'll be a good game still next week. In Lincoln, but yeah, about the Ohio State game. Is that the noon game next week? I'm assuming Ohio. I State. actually I thought it was three thirty, but I might have made that up really? in my head. So then we'll have the Penn State Iowa game at four. See next week, guys. I'm going to be in Wisconsin doing a wedding during College Football Saturday. So I'm like just kind of living in denial right now. Yeah. I haven't looked, so it won't be I missing these games. Uh, it is at noon next week. The Ohio okay. State morning well, game. Won't be the first time I, I'm an idiot on this podcast, so there you go. <laughs> do but, Michigan and Ohio State have the same bye week? Is it? I'm not sure. They do, actually. October oh, 16th, neither of them play. Honestly, that's kind of nice. I I think it'll be good for us to have – it's almost like a bye week for us, too, because we always seem to talk passionately about those two games. Yeah. And we'll, we'll be a little bit more, I guess, condensed with that. Mm-hmm. 
But then I guess we'll jump into our second game. First of all, I guess last thoughts on Iowa before we do that. Man, man they're they're good. I mean, they, <laughs> I mean, they're I, good. I know that I know they only outgained what they outgained Maryland by like a hundred yards only and won by thirty seven points. But man, this defense is something special. Well, and you have to think too. I mean, yeah, they only outgained Maryland by a hundred yards, but Maryland turned it over seven times. So Iowa has short fields yeah. throughout the game. And actually, they outgained them by 150 yards, so a little bit better than what I thought. But, you know, Petrus didn't turn the ball over through three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, they, they look good, really. This is the only thing, and it's not even a nitpick. It's a, a testament to how good that defense is. Is that I was excited to see Iowa this week potentially have to use their offense to win a game. Yeah. And they didn't have to do that. As soon as Demas went out, this was just the typical suffocation job by that Iowa defense. Yeah. Which I guess now makes that Saturday matchup with Penn State even more Ooh, intriguing. Man, it's gonna oh that's gonna be a good one. I can't believe I'm gonna miss that game. Um, I am gutted. Guess how many sacks Iowa's defense had? Six. Zero. Really? Yeah. Wow, and you would have know that if you looked at the way Talia was throwing the ball. He was it felt like he was seeing ghosts on Saturday, yeah. Friday, I guess. But yeah, that's crazy. That is crazy. I mean, for, that, for that defense they, can beat you in so many ways. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. For as good as they are, they had zero sacks and four, seven turnovers. That's crazy. Wow. Well, just an overall dominating performance from Iowa. We'll be very excited to at least, whether it be live or on replay, see that Iowa-Penn State game oh, next yeah. week. But the number 14 Michigan Wolverines... They went to Camp Randall and laid a beat down on the Badgers. This is one of those tricky games, I feel like, in our, what we do right here. You don't want to take away anything from what Michigan did at all, but then you also, at the same time, you're trying to hold Wisconsin accountable and figure out what they have going on, too. Yeah. But we'll start with Michigan. We'll start with the team that won this game. Michigan, it looks like from start to finish— just dominated. We're actually watching a replay of it as we speak right now. At the end of the third quarter, when Michigan and or when Wisconsin typically jumps around, the Michigan fan base, the Michigan the players, team, yeah, yeah, exactly, walked over. It looked like to the student section of Wisconsin, jump around or jumped around in front of them. Yeah, I mean, this is a confident group of kids, a confident group of coaches right now. Yeah, and I wasn't able to watch the the first half. I was just following it on my phone, and then after our game finished, I was watching it live, or I guess a little delayed, but live on my phone. And one thing that really stood out to me in the first half and now being able to rewatch it is that Harbaugh had taken a lot of risk. They went for it, I think, three or four times on fourth and short, and they just had the confidence that they were going to pound it. And I think they were 50% on it, so, you know, you take that, I guess. But, man, Michigan really did dominate this game. Outside of two drives, really, Wisconsin's offense did not do a thing. And we were just talking before we got to recording. If you're Wisconsin, man, why why are you not picking up the tempo like they did those two uh, two drives that they scored? I, I know the last one was garbage time touchdown against second string, but like that drive with 27 seconds left right before halftime, they went down and scored, like – pick up the pace a little bit, do something different to get this offense rolling because, man, it, they just did not look good. Well, I mean, that two drives at the end of the first half, 
was the highlight, I feel like, of the season for Graham Mertz to this point. Mm-hmm. He looked comfortable. He threw two dots, man. Those were two dimes. And they caught the ball with less than 27 seconds left, I think it was. Yeah, 25, and they scored with seven. Yeah, exactly. Like I mean, it's, and it's coming off of his best two throws of the year, too. It makes you wonder why you don't see teams at any level go to that tempo offense when it at least seems that that's what Mertz looked most comfortable in. Yeah, absolutely. And they had really had not gotten the running game going all year either. And they didn't get it going against Michigan either. The leading rusher had 19 yards and they had 43 yards total rushing Jeez. as a team yesterday. So, um, yeah, I, this, this offense is as bad as we thought coming into the game. They didn't look good against Notre Dame. They didn't look good against Penn State. A lot of questions up there, Madison. But on you know, I thought Michigan looked great. They I thought did. even rewatching the the first half, they missed some opportunities and and they really could have gotten this game out of control earlier. A couple bad throws by McNamara on some in routes, some drop balls. Winning by twenty one points at Wisconsin is a great step in the right direction for Michigan. I did not think that they would come in and win the game, let alone dominate the game. As we see McNamara about to, I mean, what a play. He was, even in the brief times I've been in here today watching with you, I mean, this Michigan offense at least looks like they're at least willing to stretch the ball downfield a little bit more. Yeah. And as soon as that happens, I mean, this is a Wisconsin team that sees the run all the time in practice. This is a team that's built on stopping the run. It's built on on the offensive side of the ball, running the ball in Michigan just completely took that away from them. Dominated this game on both sides. And, I mean, this feels almost like that revenge tour. Oh, you stepped out. Yeah. Sorry. No, you're good. No, yeah, I completely agree. The revenge tour, that didn't end well that year, but it it does kind of feel like that swag is back at Michigan. When you sound like the old guy yelling at the clouds when you do this, but college football's so much better when Michigan's good. And to see them even with the swagger right now, it's a great sign. And hopefully they are able to keep it up. And I mean, what, they have a manageable schedule here at least over the next few weeks, don't they? Yeah, I remember when Michigan beat Washington, I was saying, man, Michigan could really go into that Michigan State game 5-1 and or 6-1, and whatever it would be. And, you know, that would be off to a great start, and then that would be a big game. But now if they can pull off the win at Nebraska next week, they have Northwestern and then Michigan State. So realistically, you know, they could be 7-0 and going to going to Michigan State here in, in three weeks, four weeks. I and guess. just as it sits right now, a lot can change between now and then. But I would take Michigan in a, in a heartbeat against the Spartans right now. I think it would be a good game, but I still think the, what the Wolverines are seven points better than the Spartans at this point. Yeah, yeah, man, I don't know. Look, look how close matchup predictor is. I don't think it was that close. Well, the way it's trending, I mean, you might be looking at a potential top fifteen matchup there. I, I mean, shoot, we, yeah, we were talking last night after all the upsets and everything. Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State—they're going to move up like five or six spots this week. You might have four. Big 10 teams in the top 10, top 12 at the late, like well, you'll course, ha- you'd imagine. You'll have four teams in the top 10 for sure with Iowa, Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State because Michigan. Because what was Michigan? They were 14, 14 entering this game. And, and it's four a, top a ten. good unranked Wisconsin team on the road. Yeah. And then there were four top 10 teams that lost. Number 12, Ole Miss lost. 
So that's, yeah, that's I mean, you would five, definitely that's imagine. That's five spots, you'd think. And then Michigan State would be right behind. I don't know. I guess it just depends on how far you drop Arkansas and Ole Miss in terms of if Michigan State can crack the top ten or not. But, yeah, I just looked at Michigan State's schedule, too. They should be rolling in there 7-0 as well. They follow up their win that we're going to touch on. They go to Rutgers and then to Indiana before hosting Michigan on October 30th. So two winnable games for sure. Well, especially that Indiana game is much more winnable depending on how bad Michael Penick's injury is. We'll I mean, get into that. <laughs> I mean, my, Even if he's not injured the yeah, way they're yeah, I think it's better if he is not injured for – I think it's better if he is injured for Indiana's chances, man. He just – I don't know, dude. Jack Tuttle's brutal too. But, oh, my God. Man, I – there's no good scenario in Indiana right now they they just don't have it right now and that stinks because they were such a great story last year and you thought they were really turning turning that program around and you know maybe I could see I don't know like in Iowa where maybe they'll have like an 11 in one year like that was kind of my hope for Indiana to get to that kind of consistently good occasionally really good yeah yeah under Tom Allen because I do like Tom Allen really he's a fiery coach and I feel like he's a perfect fit for Indiana but gonna be a long season I think for for the Hoosiers well and I was looking last night I should have pulled it up before you brought this up well I guess we'll get into it when we get to Indiana Mm -hmm. but their schedule down the stretch them getting to bowl eligibility I think is going to be a challenge really it's going to be tough so when we get there we'll talk more yeah they haven't played Michigan Ohio State but I'll give you the last word on this game so the Badgers and Michigan I'll let you have Michigan I'll say something for the Badgers final takeaway from this Michigan game Defensively, they didn't really. Uh, they forced turnovers, which was which was something that they don't normally do, which was great to see. But then offensively, I feel like they played great complementary football. Uh, they didn't get away from the run. They still tried to ground a pound. I, you know, got decent yards for going against the number one ranked rushing defense in the in the country coming into the weekend, but. McNamara took some steps forward in the second half, and I just overall think that there was a great team win by Michigan. I know I said that I was giving you the last word, but I just have to say, I mean, the fact that Michigan's top two running backs that we've been glowing on all year, entering this game, if they had under 100 yards rushing, I don't think that anybody picks Michigan to win by three scores. No, absolutely. And it yeah. should have been four scores for yeah. the record, too. Yeah. Or more. But, yeah, so my last thought for Wisconsin is simply the – End half sequence for the Badgers has to be kind of what you hold your hat to right now because your goals are gone this year. You went into the year wanting to be a playoff team. You went into this year wanting to be at least a Big Ten West champion. It's supposed to be 12-0. It's supposed to be 12-0. <laughs> Some really smart guy picked that. And that's gone. Yeah. This is now a developmental season again for Mertz. That's not where you wanted to be, but when you see at least the drive to end away, it did against Michigan. It's... At least something that you can hang your hat on and hope that this offense at least has something that they can try to look to. And at least we talked about the no huddle tempo offense. Maybe they work that into it. Hopefully, you would imagine Merckx isn't banged up that bad. I know he left this game early, but he was on the sidelines still. Didn't look to be in a sling or anything. Yeah, I think uh, afterwards I said that it said on the bottom line that he went to the hospital for chest x-rays or something like oh, that wow. so it wasn't even his his ribs which is what i thought it was at first but 
yeah, hopefully he's good to go. Man, Wisconsin just gotta gotta find something on offense, really. Yeah, I mean, because if they continue to throw as poorly as they have, I mean, there's enough talent in the Big Ten, even in the Big Ten West, that they're gonna get a few scares. I mean, you're talking about a team that might be seven and five at the end of this year, maybe even six and six. Gosh, if they finish seven and five, that means they got a little hot, then, huh? Yeah, no kidding. It's it's so weird to see Wisconsin, at, you know, being one and three right now. I mean, the only thing I could say in fairness to them is I know that Notre Dame's not that good, but you've played a very good Michigan team. That Notre Dame team, it's a weird game because you go to Soldier Field. Yeah. It's just strange. And then you it's open a quality the year. team. Yeah. I mean, for sure. And then you lose the first game of the year to a top five Penn State team. Yeah. It, that, I mean, their schedule <laughs> has been brutal. brutal. Was very brutal. So it wouldn't surprise me if they finished eight and four or shoot if they were off. You know, nice. Eight, yeah, eight, eight straight wins. wins. You know, and finish nine and three, but just not looking very good right now. They need to find an identity on offense. And we talk about identity on offense. Illinois, the start of the year looked like they had one. Yeah. And yeah. now all of a sudden, we're like, okay, you know what? We probably seem to be a little bit more patient with Brett Bielma on this staff because they stepped into in a what I almost said an oasis, but the abyss. There was no talent on this roster. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, yeah, I mean, this is not a resounding win against Charlotte. You win 24-14. to But the fact that you got to see this Illinois team fight back, they were down four at half. They outscored the 49ers 14-0 in the second half. Hmm. It's at least, I guess, something that you could say, hey, this is a game that passed. We might have rolled over. We might have let Charlotte come in here and beat us. Yeah. At least this time around, they got the job done. I mean, I'm searching for positives. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not much to find. Um, I, I didn't even check the stats on this game, what it, what Peters did. I mean, what, um, he's probably had 300 yards passing in the three games he's been back. Yeah, yeah. He was 10 of 19 for 78 yards. But our boy Chase Brown, holy smokes, did you see that? I haven't seen the numbers. This is a, by the way, guys, this is a very informal show yeah. compared to our normal <laughs> standards because we don't have Hayden. And then Casey and I watched this game drinking beers all day and woke up and are like, all right, let's record. Yeah. So here we are. Chase Brown, 26 carries for 257 yards and two touchdowns. So that's Brett Bielema, Wisconsin type offense right there, pound, pounding the rock. Well, and what we um, talked about going into this game, too, is Charlotte struggled all year against the run. So Illinois, knowing that. You have to be if you're a Big Ten team, and you know a team like Charlotte has that deficiency. You have to be able to exploit it, yeah. and that's at least a positive step for they Illinois. Did. Yeah, they did. They ran for 334 yards. So good for Illinois. That's a that's a good win. I know that was kind of a a game that we thought could be interesting. I know you and Hayden took Charlotte plus ten and a half, but I, I mean it was a good win. Anytime you can get a win, if you're Illinois, you got to be happy. I, we're not going to waste too much time on this game. We're going to just jump right into the next one. Minnesota goes to West Lafayette. Purdue outgained them. I want to say, I was looking at this last night before going to bed. They had some like 450 Ooh. yards to like close to 300 or something like that. 448 to 294. Yeah. Holy smokes. Like Minnesota found a way to win this game. Purdue found a way to lose this game. Wow. Purdue's Aiden O'Connell, I think is his name, if I remember off the top of my head. They at least finally went to one guy there. Uh-huh. And they're, it looked like he threw the ball pretty well. I know they had a couple turnovers in this game. But it, the fact that they got those big chunks of yards through the air that we haven't seen from Purdue. And, oh, God, it's been 
years. Yeah. It was. It, it's a game that was weird because Minnesota, when you look back and you're looking at this box score, you don't know how they found a way to win this game. But credit to P.J. Fleck, credit to the Golden Gophers. Dude, that's a brutal loss last week. And to go into anywhere on the Big Ten, you go on the road, especially coming off of that, and get a win. Yeah. Good for Minnesota. They desperately needed that. I guess, man. I freaking took Purdue. I was... I thought Minnesota was done. That loss really was going to kill their season, but credit to them. That that's a great win. I, I I think this Purdue team is decent. They turned the ball over twice. Ah, gosh, I can't believe they lost this game throwing for three hundred and seventy-one yards. What was the time of possession? They even had the ball thirty-three minutes of the game. My goodness. When yeah, it's one of those weird ones that thank God for Minnesota. They found themselves in the lead in the second half. Because then there wasn't that pressing need to get the ball moving. Yeah. They kind of just sat down and were like hoping to just hold on. Because what? They were up four with like a quarter left. And when you were watching this, you just had the feeling that Purdue might even come back. Yeah. But hey, again, that's a brutal or tough loss. I wouldn't say brutal loss for Purdue. We didn't expect a ton out of them this year. But on the quest to get into bull eligibility, this is a game you really would have liked to win. Yeah. Man, I can't stop looking at this box score. That's unreal. Like, if you just showed me the box score, I would have thought Purdue won by 14 points at least. Yeah. That's unbelievable. But credit to Minnesota. What a what a bounce-back win that is. I think you mentioned this in our, in our preview show this week. This is going to be one of those games where Purdue's going to look back and be, be mad at themselves for losing because they miss out on being bowl eligible. We'll see. I mean, still a lot, still a lot of football left to play. Yeah, and Minnesota, the talk about a hot and cold team where well, you start the year in such an impressive fashion in a loss to Ohio State. Yeah. And then you immediately turn it around. Oh my gosh, who did they lose or what beaten week two? But they struggled. Miami bad. of Ohio. Yes, they struggled yeah. with Miami of Ohio. Yeah. But then they go to Boulder and dominate for the entire game. Well, the trend is. If they're staying consistent next week, I don't know who in the heck they play. It's probably a MAC team. The way they just struggle with the MAC. Yeah, let's see. If they, they stick to Power Five conferences, well, they're the, a wagon. They have a bye next week. So oh, then they'll be good again coming back. So then they'll beat Nebraska, huh? The following week. Wow. That's just you know, it's analytics. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> this is an analytics bunch here. But yeah, no, we'll, we'll go to the next game. But yeah, congratulations to Minnesota. That's a really big win coming off that Definitely really, win, really yeah. tough loss. But the number 11 Ohio State Buckeyes, they went to Piscataway. And this was a game that was over pretty quickly, which I think when came to a shock for a lot of us. Rutgers came off a very good second half against Michigan. It felt like they were finally getting things clicking. Confidence is high. Momentum's high going into that Buckeye game. And that place, albeit not sold out, which was a disappointment, yeah. to say the least, still a lot of people there was rocking before Ohio State jumps up early. This was very impressive for Ohio State. Is this, I guess, from a Rutgers perspective, a game you just kind of throw out the window on the next week? Yeah, absolutely. The game could have started out so much different. You know, I mentioned Harbaugh was taking a lot of risk early on in this Wisconsin game, and it was paying off. That's what Shiano did against Ohio State, and it really backfired and made that game get out of hand quickly. The fourth and six fake punt. And On your own, own 45. Yeah. And then, you know, two plays later, they don't even touch Travion Henderson to the end zone. It's just, like, deflating. And then, you know, Verdell played 
played really, really bad over through that receiver and then Denzel Burke. But, you know, it's 14 nothing three minutes into yeah, the game yeah, or five it, minutes into the game. Even. I think it said on the TV it was two touchdowns in 40 seconds for Ohio State. And, it, and you know, Rutgers doesn't have firepower on offense or anything. And being down 14 points to Ohio State, man, that's that's a brutal way to start. But, yeah, I mean, you have a note right here. Offense was all but perfect in the first half. I completely agree. For Ohio State, this, this was an impressive win. It made it seem like it was the Rutgers of two or three years yes. ago. I still think Rutgers is a decent team. Don't get me wrong, but Ohio State really took it to them, and hopefully we're trying. We're we're starting to see this team get in a rhythm now. I felt like the first three weeks they weren't, they didn't have an identity on either side of the ball. Really, now we're starting to see this team gel, which could be a very very dangerous team. Yeah, you mentioned dangerous teams. It's. This isn't something that we talked about before, but the idea of having five Big Ten teams, whether or not they are playoff quality good is one thing, but to have five teams that have a legitimate shot at this stage of the season is awesome for the Big Ten. It's showing that at least the top end talent in the Big Ten, it's raising to that SEC standard a little bit. Not like they're going to walk into freaking Death Valley or something like that and get a win, but... yeah. It's a big freaking deal that you have Michigan State re- what reemerging, Michigan reemerging. Yeah. And because Ohio State, this is a team in the past. I'd just be saying, all right, cool. They have things figured out. We'll see you in the Big Ten championship game. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, there's two, uh, three other teams in the Big Ten East that can make it. I I'll mean, play for it. Yeah, there's three five and teams ahead yeah. of Ohio State right now in the Big Ten East, and. They all looked really good yesterday. I mean, for the most part. I know Michigan State gave up a lot of points, but we were watching that game, and we're like, man, this Western Kentucky offense is legit. Yeah. So, yeah, I I agree with you. You know, the past two years, probably, you could just say pencil in Ohio State in the championship game. Not even close, really. But it's yeah. just a matter of do they have a meaningless loss somewhere yeah. that means something or like no it's it that's the only thing you ever had to wonder about yeah and uh, it's it's exciting man uh, this this Big Ten season so far knock on wood I hope nothing <laughs> nothing happens has been exciting as hell man it's been very fun it's worked out you know outside of the Ohio State's loss to Oregon it's like worked out so perfect going back to the Ohio State game they they did everything. I mean, perfect, the, the whole game, really. Outside of that big touchdown that they gave up when I think they were up, what, 24 to nothing already early, and we walked in right when, I think yeah. we walked in right when it happened. But outside of that day, you know, I don't even know what Rutgers ended up having on the net, on the day, but I can't imagine it was over 300. Oh, it was 346. I remember we looked yesterday because it was one of those situations where I felt like they went, not to say that the second string guys shouldn't have played better, they went very soft in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And I think Rutgers probably had at least probably a third or more of their yards in that fourth quarter down by six possessions. Rutgers, two backup quarterbacks, they combined to go 12 or 13, actually, only for like 75 yards. I was but waiting for you to drop like a 150-year on no, this or something. <laughs> they averaged like the Cole Snyder or whatever his name is averaged seven yards per attempt. The other guy averaged five yards in the top. Okay. It wasn't like anything explosive, but Stroud looked good. There were a couple throws that he, you know, you'd like him to make, but we're nitpicking right now with him. Travion looked good. Hopefully he's all right. I think Hayden said he was in concussion protocol. Hopefully he doesn't miss next week's game. 
Because I think that that would be a big loss. I know we were talking yesterday, Travion's special. He's like Saquon, Zeke Elliott special, J.K. Dobbins. And then when you see the offense turn to a, a Crowley or a Master Teague, it just it completely loses. You it. just lose that big playability. And then I don't know how long Mayan Williams is out, but I don't think he's explosive either. I know he had that big touchdown run against Minnesota, but Ohio State can be national championship contending offensively, in my opinion, if Travion Henderson is healthy throughout the whole season. He is that good. He's going to be a Heisman Trophy front runner next year. He's going to be very, very good and very special. So hopefully he's all right. And they were just being cautious. Olave looked good. Wilson looked good. Yeah, I I mean, not really too much to take away outside of Ohio State looked good. Rutgers didn't play very well at all. But what are your thoughts, man? I mean, I just I've been going too much. No, no, I was very – I didn't say a word because I agree with most of it. I mean, Trevion Henderson, to me, you brought up Zeke, so I'm going to go with that. If you're trying as a Buckeye fan to talk yourself into having national title hopes like you just mentioned, you have to just keep staring back at that 2014 season. Mm-hmm. And once they kind of decided, hey, this Ezekiel Elliott kid's really special, let's run our offense through him. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, everything falls in a line from there. If he is healthy, assuming he is, because I do think that a, a part of this was by the time he was pulled out, They're this game wasn't a game. nothing already, yeah. Yeah, and you know Rutgers, the way at this point they looked in the game, they were getting back in this. Yeah. So be conservative, take him out. But right now, you're right, he has it. Whatever it is as a yeah. running back. I mean, you don't have to be an X's and O's genius to watch when you know a guy like Travion Henderson or Ezekiel Elliott, those special years, you get this guy the ball. And I know he only had, what, eight rushes for like 80-something yards. One was the 40-something yard touchdown yeah. run. But he runs with an edge and an explosiveness that you rarely see at this level. And the kid's, what, 19? I think he's 18. He might isn't, be 18. Isn't he, so. like, really young? I mean, he might be 18 till. I mean, the fact that he's going to get better for this Buckeye team over the next few years. Scary. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I got, like, butterflies in the pit of my stomach right now talking about it. Like, whoo. And when he was out yesterday, we made, uh, and when Teague and Crowley were in, you know, they they would get stuff for, like, a one- or two-yard gain. And I'm pretty sure I said this to you. I'm like, man, that's why Travion's different because he turns that gain into, like, a seven- or eight-yard gain, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it's so critical to stay ahead of schedule in a a series. And he's he's just got it, man. He breaks... Arm tackles better than you know a lot of older guys on that team, and he's fast. He's yes. just straight fast. Explosive. Yeah. I mean, this on top of this too. I mean, when you have it's weird because you have arguably the most stacked, arguably you have the most stacked wide receiver room, top to bottom, from the new true freshman that will never see the field. That would be a number one wide receiver on seventy five percent of college teams. Yeah. It's weird because I feel like Ryan Day almost has this internal obligation to throw the ball because of all this skill on the outside. Yeah. And at, sometimes it's almost like you want to shake him and just say, hey, in a big game, I just want you to know that you have arguably the best back in the country or one of the, the best young backs in the country. Yeah. Don't be afraid to use him. 
the last thing we want to see is a recreation of that 2015 Michigan State State game where Zeke runs the ball 12 times for like 27 yards because he can't get his feet under him because you ignore him all game. Yeah. Don't let that happen in a big game. Penn State's coming up in less than a month. That's going to be an interesting test because that's the game where I feel like you got to really slowly bring C.J. Stroud into that or at least acclimate him into that game. You don't want him to make mistakes early. That's when you want Trevion Henderson to really take over. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think, obviously, running to set up the pass is critical for any offense, but I think that's when C.J. Stroud is at his best. I know he's still young. We still have a lot of football left to play. And he's only had five starts, or I guess four starts under his belt. He didn't play last week. But it just seems like when all the pressure's on him, he's not going to be the Haskins kind of quarterback where he can just sit back there and sling. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think Ohio State really needs the run game to get going for him to you know be most comfortable, which is like you know most quarterbacks anyway. It, it just reminds me of that 2019 Ohio State team where – you know, you could sling it all over the field with fields if you want, but Ohio State was best when Dobbins got 25 carries because you knew he was getting close to 200 yards. Well, I and think about what that does to the or passing game, too. Yeah, it just opens everything up. And then yeah. you have a guy like Justin Fields, or now C.J. Stroud, throwing largely to what, let's say you are even got six guys, you have those linebackers cheating on the first snap of the ball. All of a sudden, you have the best wide receivers of a very, very good tight end. Yeah. I mean, it's this offense should be a cheat code. It's just a matter of making sure everything's clicking. And it looks like they are they are starting to click, which is really, really good for Buckeye fans. You know, my last thing I'll say, and then we'll transfer this game, but I know Hayden would be pissed off at me if I didn't at least mention it. What's he been saying for the last two weeks? He wants to see... He's been seeing baby steps in the defense. Yeah. Yeah, in the second half, nitpicking. The defense wasn't very good, but that game was also well out of hand. It's hard to go into half, come back out, crowd's dead, and be at that same level of intensity. Yeah. But speaking on the first half alone, the defense was flying around, and they did create turnover, or at least, and they took that game away early and just didn't allow Rutgers to get back into it. Something to at least be encouraged by after a very brutal September. Yeah. So, more or less... The strides continue. Baby steps. This was more of a, a step. This wasn't a baby step. This was a very encouraging game. Hopefully now, with the Big Ten schedule coming in, defense has its feet under it. We can continue to at least see these athletes do what they should be doing. Yeah. And next week will be a good test, I think. Very much you so. Know, Maryland slings the ball. I know they just got blown out. But if they don't turn the ball over, I think it will be a really good test. I think Ohio State will be able to score at will against Maryland, but Maryland might put up 21, 24 points and, and really test the defense, which is what we were talking about yesterday. I know I'm getting kind of off, off topic, but like Western Kentucky is is one of the, and Maryland are one of those teams where your defense will get challenged, but you know you'll win the game still because yeah. you're just overall better. You'll be able to do whatever you want on offense. Those are fun and also kind of stressful at the same time because you know, you might be exposed a little bit, but also, you know, Maryland presents one of the best passing games in the Big Ten. Oh, um, my gosh. It, it, I, in a weird way, I, I mean, I, in a per, like human element, you obviously want Dante Demas to be okay. Yeah. But just from a football perspective, I'm a little disappointed Ohio State doesn't get to face him for that reason because you should win that game because of what your offense should be able to do against Maryland. 
But that would have been the best, I guess at least the most explosive passing offense you would have faced this year. Yeah. That could pay dividends if you do. Your goal's still the playoff, and who's going to be waiting there in that playoff but Alabama and Bryce Young. And if you do get it against Alabama, you don't want that recreation of the national title last year where your defense is picked apart for mm-hmm. 60 straight minutes. Playing a team like that, and not Alabama, but at least it gives you a look of a pass rate yeah, offense. And, and you find out what works and what doesn't. Because if it doesn't work against Maryland, guess what? It's not going to work against Alabama either. You're so right. That's why those kind of games are fun. We'll get more into that here when we talk about Michigan State, I'm sure. Yeah, um, right. And we'll, we will go to the next game. But I just yeah. think, just imagine a scenario. It doesn't have to be Ohio State, but the Big Ten East champ would have to play an Iowa offense, follow that up by an Alabama offense. Yeah. It's a different world when you get to the college football oh, yeah. playoff. Yeah, and I mean, Ohio State fans know. Yes, they do. Been there. <laughs> Been there, done that. Then the Indiana Hoosiers, they went to Happy Valley in a pretty fun environment again. I know it wasn't a whiteout, but Penn State always shows up at those night games. Yeah, it was lit, man. It was. It was, it was freaking goodness. sweet. But the Nittany Lions, they went 24 to nothing. We talked about it earlier. We'll start with Indiana because that way we get to finish on a happy note with this game. <laughs> but Michael Penix gets injured again. We still at this point don't know how serious it is. Jack Tuttle comes in just as poorly right after. This Indiana yeah. offense is it's bad because not only is it like the typical Big Ten bad where they're not moving the ball, but they turn it over at a disturbing amount. The quarterbacks, both of them for Indiana, did not look good. Penix, I just don't think has it, man. He yeah. might be, like, broken from the injuries, too. I, I guess, but, I mean, even last year, he didn't complete barely more than 50% of his passes, and it just doesn't look like he's taking a step forward. I know I said that last week, or two weeks ago, even. But, man, they, they I thought Stephen Carr would be a big, a big get for him. And I think he's good. He runs the ball hard. But, I mean, they, they fed him 15 times yesterday, got 50 yards, which is not terrible. You would think they'd be more willing to run with how inept their offense yeah. in, through the air has been. Yeah, and you also mentioned yesterday Watt failure not being there. How big of a loss is that? They haven't found that little slot receiver that you can go to on third and six and pick up eight yards. It seems like they're very reliant on that one-on-one matchup with Fry Fogel and Hendershot, which are two really good targets to have. But just you know, outside of that, they don't really have much of an identity on the offensive side. No, dude, this is a disturbing team. And I told you earlier in this episode that I was worried about them getting to bowl eligibility. I'm going to tell you why. Let me read off the remaining schedule and try to find four more wins. They're two and three right now. They host Michigan State next week. You imagine that's probably a loss. Yeah. So they're two and four. Then you host Ohio State. You imagine that's a loss. Yeah. You're two and five. You go to Maryland, and that is not a gimme game the way this Indiana team is playing right now. It's not by any means. But let's be even nice to them and say it's a win. They're 3-5 and now. You go to Michigan, that's probably a loss. Yeah. You're now looking at a scenario where you have to win your last three games. Which which is doable. Which is doable. Yeah. But with this team have... I mean, what we've seen this year, they have no room for error. Yeah. And they create error. Yeah. No, I completely agree. Um, Rutgers, and Minnesota, it, Purdue. And like we, like we, like Maryland's a tricky team. Rutgers is a tricky team despite how they looked yesterday. They're still a tricky team. The good news is, you know, they do host Rutgers and Minnesota. So not like, you know, Indiana home field advantage is too crazy. But 
I could see him get the six wins, actually. But really, you you okay? How about this? Do they get the six wins? I I don't know. Like you, uh, you I, have I'll to tell choose. You, you know, you're on the edge of a volcano. If you're wrong, I push you in. Oh gosh, man. I'm gonna go with no. I agree with I don't you. think they pull off an upset. I don't think they beat Michigan, Michigan State, or Ohio State. And so that that means they've got to go. They have to pretty much run the table. You, you have up. no. Yeah, yeah. You, you have no they have room to go for error. against Maryland, Rutgers, Minnesota, and Purdue. And yeah, I mean, what, I guess what, no. Yeah, I, I was gonna say, no. what have we seen makes you think that they can oh, do that? Absolutely nothing, man. Outside of a good, you know, three quarters against Cincinnati, who's a little bit better than what I thought. Gosh, this offense really is nothing. It hasn't done anything against a quality team. Yeah, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But, man, brutal, brutal for Indiana, for sure. We'll stop raining on Indiana's day now. We'll go to Penn State yeah. and talk about what they did in this game. And this going in, we talked about Iowa being in a situation where they had to potentially have a look-ahead game with Maryland. We didn't really talk about that a lot with Penn State. This is an impressive win to take care of business against a team that has a lot of quality players on that roster. And by the way, but McFadden, that linebacker for Indiana, oh, he's I like gush over him. He's yeah. one of my favorite players in the Big Ten. I love how hard he plays. But Penn State, from start to finish in this game, dominate. Offense, sure, they didn't look as good as perhaps they would have liked to have looked in this game. But they didn't have to. Once they had control of the game, it was do not turn it over. Do not let Indiana back into this game. And they really didn't do that. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And when we were watching this game, we were like, man, the run run game's just not really getting going. Hasn't been get, going all year. But they ended up with 209 yards rushing, which is kind of impressive. Um, I think they're having a little bit of controversy in that backfield right now, too. Yeah, with Noah Kane and... Um, Kayvon Kane, Lee. Kayvon Lee. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Noah Kane was a high recruit. I remember him, his recruitment. But... Yeah, you know Clifford, you like to you like to have that completion percentage up a little bit. I don't remember that interception, but you can't really complain. Indiana still a quality defense in my books, but overall Penn State, I mean, outgained Indiana by over 150 yards. Only had the one turnover. Really controlled the possession of the game as well. Penn State looks like a top five team to me. They really do. I know it's early, but we, I, I mean, shoot, I guess we're five games into. We're almost halfway done. That's kind of crazy to think about. It's really like sad to think about, if yeah. anything. But it, it's a Penn State team that Ooh. I think does have – they still have that concern in the back of their head about the running game. But to see a guy like Kayvon Lee come in and do what he did, whether he's taking Noah Kane's job or not, if they have that running element to this team, I mean, they can pretty much hang with anybody in the country, beat anybody in the country, maybe excluding the Alabama yeah. of the world, the Georgia of the world. But beyond that, I mean, this Penn State team is much better than I expected going into the year. We had talked at nauseum in the offseason about how this team was going to sink or swim with Sean Clifford. Yeah. And Sean Clifford has made the steps that we have another team, Graham Mertz, didn't make. Both of those, it, it just started that year with those to match up. It was Penn State, Wisconsin. It was kind of a battle of which quarterback would take that step, and we've seen one do it, and we've seen one not, and what that's done for both of these teams. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's fair to say Clifford's playing better than I expected. Got to continue to do it in big games. He can't He can't be the inconsistent Sean Clifford that we saw last year. I don't know. I don't, we'll see. Yeah. I guess. I, I'm not sure. There's much more to take away from this game. 
very excited about the game next week. You know, I'm excited to hear what you and Hayden have to say about that. I'll, I'll make sure all my picks are in where you guys can say them. But that game next week, I will have that recorded, and I don't care if it's Tuesday night. I will see that game. It's. Kimmich's I mean, it's going to be rocking, man. Oh my gosh! At this stage of the year, I mean, it's the best game in the Big Ten. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be a top. Five matchups. Four, four matchup, really, with Oregon losing, right? True. You Good point. Think. Yeah, you'd imagine they'd both go up a spot. Yeah. So, yeah, we'd probably be looking at three versus four next week, and that's going to be very special. I and mean, you imagine if they haven't already announced that college game day will be at Iowa City. Yeah, you got you got to think. I'm not sure what kind of games we have next week. I have a difficult time thinking they'll be able to beat three versus four. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be. It's right. Yeah. While you're looking that up, I'll throw us into this next game where... Western Kentucky, the explosive number one, most yards, most passing yards, offense in college football, in glorified Big Ten team after two straight weeks against a Big Ten opponent here. <laughs> they go to East Lansing, and Michigan State, they scored 42 points in the first half, did anything they wanted to, seemingly took their foot off the gas in the second half, but they did more than enough in that first half to get the win in this game. This is a Michigan State team that we harp on how balanced they are, and this was another great example of it. Whenever Kenneth Walker III, when he is taken away, and he wasn't taken away really, yeah. Peyton Thorne's able to get it done. He's not your top quarterback in this Big Ten. He's not going to be one of those guys, but he's more than talented enough to at least stand in and give you time to figure out how to get the running game more involved. Just an overall very good team. Yeah, I, you know, I said it. Last week or a couple weeks ago, the the balance on this Michigan State offense is truly incredible. You know, Peyton Thorne completed 67% of his passes, threw for 327, and they still ran the ball for 192 yards. Now, I know this Western Kentucky defense is is really bad, but... (laughs) They're about as bad as the offense is good. Yeah, and like, this wasn't a one-game thing. It's been very consistent for Michigan State throughout the whole year. Which is why I think they really could be a dangerous team in the East. It seems like there's an opportunity where the Big Ten East might just all beat up on each other with how different teams match up against each other. It'll be really interesting. I mean, we've seen the Pac-12 and Big 12 cannibalize itself for years. Yeah. And the Big Ten East is in that weird situation that the SEC West is typically in where there's so much talent in there. I mean, this is without a doubt the second best division in college football, but there's so much talent right now that you almost have to worry that they knock each other off enough where you might only get one Big Ten team in or who knows. I mean, this is a year where you could imagine when we did the scenarios last night, we kept coming up with two SEC teams, two Big Ten teams. Yeah. And the way it's going, that would be so good for the conference and at least give yourself a shot to hopefully get another non-Ohio State team in. Yeah. Which can only do wonders for the for the whole league as a, as a whole. I don't know why I went off on that tangent. This is what happens when we're watching freaking football and doing this at the same time. Right. <laughs> but, no, back to real quick on Michigan State. That, that was why we are talking Michigan State. Yeah. They all have now the capability, if they just take care of business, to stroll into that Michigan game undefeated as well. And if that's the case, I mean, you can only say so much for what Mel Tucker's done already. Yeah. What this, a, what a quick mean, turnaround. Oh, and, he, and he's doing it in the 21st century way with the transfer portal. Yeah. We're going to see a lot of people, I'm sure, mimic what he's done. Right. But credit to them. And 
it's good to see Michigan State as a player again. It was it was a kind of it took me a while to get used to them in the late thousands and early teens as being like the number two or number three, even sometimes number one yeah, team yeah. in the Big Ten. Yeah. But having them disappear, I'm like, all right, you know what? I actually kind of enjoyed having the Spartans. A, a, a nine yeah, three Michigan exactly. State team. Yeah. That's going to give fits to anybody and everybody they play. Yeah. But let's go now into our final game of the week. And thank God for Nebraska fans. They finally have something. And it felt like this game was one of those games that they took out years of frustration on yeah. one freaking opponent. Yeah. And it just so happened to be those poor Northwestern Wildcats. We'll start with them here. They lose 56-7. to The offense might be the worst in the Big Ten. And they're on their third quarterback of the year with Ryan Holinsky. And statistically, he didn't do that poorly, but it was more or less in a mop-up role. They're down four scores before you can blink your eye in this game, and naturally that's going to lead to those underneath throws. I mean, we do the say something nice about Illinois, but I mean, we're, we're at dangerous levels of almost having to say nice things about Northwestern. And they are in Illinois, so I feel like that kind of works. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I was impressed with Nebraska throughout this whole game. We weren't watching it, but we were definitely keeping an eye on the on the score. And when it started to get out of hand early, I'm like, well, you know, we've seen life from Nebraska these past three or four weeks now. And it's been really nice to see. And you're right, they probably did take out their frustrations. But I, I can't believe, I know Northwestern's offense is bad. And they've not had explosive offenses in the past. And they've made it to the Big Ten championship game. But their defense gave up over 600 yards to this Nebraska team yesterday, and my goodness, I don't know if I don't know if that's more on Nebraska's finding their stride or or really how bad this Northwestern defense is. I'm really intrigued by this matchup next week, Michigan and Nebraska. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. You know, being a night game, I'm sure it's going to be pretty pretty rowdy there. Can't wait for it. Not much more to say about Northwestern. No, I was going to say you should be excited about that game. But as for Northwestern, I mean, could you make a case, too, that this is a weird wraparound to get there, but could you make a case that their defense giving up 600 yards, too, is also a testament to how bad that offense for Northwestern is because they typically this year have not been able to stay on the field. I was looking up right now, time of possession. They did have the ball eight minutes fewer than Nebraska in this game. You'd expect that when you lose by 49 points. Yeah. But they have struggled to stay on the field this year. And at some point, you got to imagine the fatigue's got to set in when this team is going three and out or even getting a first down and punting almost every single drive. There's just not anything good about this Northwestern team. Like Illinois, we can at least go to and say, hey, this is a first-year head coach again with like under this team. Yeah. It's going to take time. We're seeing at least his stamp or his style of play in certain games. There's nothing I can point to about this Northwestern team this year and find a positive. It's the first time in forever. I mean, it doesn't matter who's the head coach because we know how high we are in Fitzgerald. Yeah. He doesn't look like he has any way to figure out what's going on or how to fix it. and when that's the problem, I mean, God, there's not a lot of people out there that can make this a good situation. Yeah. Just just a brutal start to Northwestern's season. I was just looking at their schedule to try to find a way for them to get eligible. It just not, it is not looking like it. It's not going to happen. No, there's no way. A great win for Nebraska. They looked really good. 
we'll see how good they really are again next week. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Nebraska. We'll talk real quick on them, and then we'll send you guys on your way. But this is a Nebraska team now that, first of all, this defense is for real. I know that yeah. Northwestern sucks. I know you're you're really high on them. I'm really high on this Nebraska defense. And they're 3-3 three and three right now, right, this team? You lose those games to Michigan State, Oklahoma, and in the open eater, Illinois. That one's inexcusable. But the Michigan State game, you won the road. I believe you should have won that game. It took a punt return late for Michigan State to force overtime. Yeah. And then in that Oklahoma game, I know Oklahoma's got their own kind of red flags right now. And that's not for our podcast to discuss. Yeah. But Nebraska's defense looked good in that game. I mean, this is a team that has not given up in this year more than 21 points defensively Yeah. in any game. I mean, why not think that this Nebraska team had, what, a punch go another way? This team might be at least... They have the potential to be a 9 or a 10 win team with bowls. That's how good this Nebraska team could be. And after the first game of the year where we were ready to pack Scott Frost bags and put him on the plane ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> now I feel like we're getting close to owing the dude an apology. No, yeah. I I can't emphasize it enough how how important it is for Nebraska to, to look good against Michigan next week. I really think that, you know, it would be – that could be a big shift – for that program if they can pull off the upset and, you know, still salvage their season, really. I mean, if you pull that upset up against Michigan next week, and that's at home, it's a night game, you yeah. know that place is going to be... For a 3-3 three and three team, I would imagine that Nebraska fans have not been this excited in a long time. Yeah. Because you're finally, I feel like, seeing the progress. Where, I mean, you can be 3-3 three and three in the past and beat the Buffaloes of the world, but you're beating Buffalo 24-16 to 16 or something like yeah. that. They're beating up on the little kids. Then they're going and playing the big dogs tough. If they beat Michigan, you look at the rest of their schedule, there is a case for this team to be an 8-4 and four team in the regular season. And that's after these really difficult losses to start the year. Right? Very excited for Nebraska and, and high, high hopes going forward. Real quick, there's a uh, an article about predicting the AP poll. And they have Oregon only dropping to 7. How? I know that people are disgusted with that P.I. call to end the game, which I called, by the way, people at home. Yeah, spot on. I, I, it was just weird because there was like five seconds left. It's fourth and goal, and I'm, or I think it was third and goal at the time. And I just was – you just see these plays in games for, what, 20 years we've been watching. Yeah. And you just get these like feelings where it's just like, God, this is going to be those stupid things. They throw four straight fade routes, and they're going to get bailed out on the call yeah, and then just happen no to get left. in yeah. with no time left. Exactly. And, yeah. Uh, gosh, yeah, it was a, a, a bummer for, I guess, Oregon fans that they got that call against. But, I mean, dude, you got to beat teams like that. Yeah, absolutely. So I have not too much what sympathy. But, yeah, number seven, huh? Whatever. I guess that Ohio State win still reigns yeah, supreme. Yeah, and, that, and that's the, the only thing that I can – think of right now is that they don't want Ohio State to jump Oregon because yes. Oregon beat them, but that's more of, like, usually the AP poll isn't really like that. That's more like the college football playoff. For sure. But, yeah, because, I mean, this one's much more of the numerical take bias and your eyeballs out of it. It's just strictly what, it's almost BCS-like. Yeah, I mean, shoot, they have Ole Miss only dropping two spots to 14 after getting shellacked by Bama. Yeah, because it's like the BCS. Oh, they only lost by 21. What they don't tell you is they were down 35 nothing, basically at half. Yeah. It was right after half, and the yeah. game wasn't even close. I guess that's the beauty of bringing the subjectivity 
into it. What do you say? Are you good to wrap it up? Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't too bad. Wow, it was actually longer than I thought. You guys got about an hour out of us today. <laughs> so that's going to bring us to the end of another episode of Pigskins and Nylon. We'll be back later this week to preview this upcoming Week 5 slate and talk more Big Ten football. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at P&NPod, Facebook at P&NPod, and Instagram also at P&NPod. Thanks again for taking me in this weekend, Casey. Do you have any final thoughts before we send everyone on their way? Uh, not really, man. Looking forward to this NFL slate of games today and uh, just another relaxing day of watching football. Love it. This is actually the day where my health starts, Casey. So I'm going to walk you and the people through it for a second so you guys can just feel sorry for me for a little because it'll make <laughs> yeah. me feel a little better about myself. So this will be out on Monday, but we record on Sunday morning each week. Today I am in Columbus. I'm going to go to the wedding rehearsal. I'm going to miss pretty much... All of the football games today. Got to drive back to Pittsburgh. Then, next few days, got to work. But then on Wednesday, drive back into Columbus for the night before the wedding here. Thursday, I'm best man, wedding, down here, blah, blah, blah. Great. Miss Thursday Night Football. Probably miss our recording. I'm pretty bummed out about it. Then, Friday, I wake up early, probably hungover, drive to Wisconsin to be in another wedding. I'm also (laughs) best man in. On Sunday, so Sunday or Saturday, sorry, excuse me, Saturday is the wedding. I will be missing the Iowa-Penn State game. I'll miss the Ohio State-Maryland game that I called upset last week. I'm terrified about this game. Yeah. And then I have to drive back from Wisconsin on Sunday, so I miss all the NFL games. And I have another podcast, Loss of Down NFL out there, where I also am going to miss these games. So I'm, from the course of today... I will miss five or four of five football days in a row. Yeah. And that's I brutal. want to cry. Casey. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I can say. Yeah, that sucks. I you know, that, that I feel bad for you. But I just wanted also, to you know, be, be sappy. Yeah, it should be fun though. I mean, best man at two different weddings, that's that's pretty cool. I mean, you know, I mean how can they really be my best man if they're scheduling a wedding on a college football Saturday? No, yeah, that's true. I mean people are talking, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> Yeah, that's enough of me whining for, for one day. <laughs> Good luck to you and Hayden next week for your games. And then have fun probably doing two straight shows without me. And then we will be back here together to recap or I guess preview with the week seven slate together. Yep. Sounds good, man. Safe travels. You're driving a lot, man. <sighs> you get used to it, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, we love you guys. We'll be talking to you later. Catch us back this next week for more episodes of Pigskins and Nylon.